Oh my god, the Blazers have been horrible. You're finally waking up, and it's about time. To welcome you to the Lace Up Podcast. <laughs> hey, that's actually hard. I like that. I, I put that one. That was actually pretty sick. So anyway, Mike Corzempa here with Get Like Coop and the Flight Mike. And guys, by the way, we are also on Apple and Spotify. The links to the Lace Up Podcast for Apple and Spotify will be down below in the description. Please on Apple, subscribe, and give us a five-star review if you think we deserve it. Here we are talking about the Portland Trailblazers. Who wants to start it off? So for uh, what I want to know is how long has their losing streak been going on for? Because I- I'm trying to, let's see, I'm trying to like count this and I'm trying to also figure out what the hell is going on in Portland. You could say starting in April, I would say. And has it just been a gig- has there been any wins in between? Let me see. April, they lost to the Clippers. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a couple of wins in between, but there's like. They're three and 13. I mean, three and 13. Three and 10. Wow. So here's my thing. And this is something that's always just like really shook me, I guess, because I'm a Laker fan. And, you know, as a Laker fan, we always get everybody once they're disgruntled with their original franchise. Why is Damian Lillard so freaking loyal to the Portland Trailblazers while they're in the Western Conference? It really pains me to see someone with like the alpha dog mentality that he does saying, nope, I'm loyal. I'm staying here to the end. And usually the Trailblazers are anywhere from at best a fourth seed to like an eighth seed in the playoffs. It just personally, it crushes me. And I don't know. I I just I don't get it. For one, let's not forget Dame's been to a Western Conference Finals. For two, what really frustrates me with Dame and the Portland Trailblazers is they never really made like any splash move. Like, you know, their core has been essentially their core, what feels like the past eight seasons or so. You know, it's been Dame and CJ, uh, Nurkic, and you know, maybe you get a few moving pieces. Like, I'm not sure I'm calling acquiring Norman Powell and like Robert Covington and whoever else they acquired this offseason, like going out and being like, okay, look, we're trying to win now. Yeah, I mean, well, I would say with that, you could uh, credit some bad luck. I mean, Nurkic went down when they were, when he was playing really well a few years ago. I mean, Mike, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that Damian Lillard should leave Portland? I mean, I think he's already paid his dues. Like, bear in mind, this is a guy. I agree with that. You know, like, he's done everything he can. And by the way, Coop, we're not about to hype up Damian Lillard for making it to the Western Conference Finals and getting swept, okay? like We literally that, that... are. Who did he get swept by? Could you, the Warriors. Yeah, the Golden State. Yeah, the Golden the, State the Warriors. Warriors. The Warriors. The I... Warriors. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, go ahead. Who was Dame's third best player in that series? Who was his fourth best player? Like, look at the roster. That was impressive. Dame taking that roster to the Western Conference Finals. You know what's pr- I mean, I'll also, I'll make a point. I feel like, you know, when we talk about these kind of things, it's like almost like a certainty. Like, oh, if Dame leaves, if he goes somewhere else, like he's going to find tremendous success and they're going to make the NBA Finals and win a ring and stuff. doesn't always happen at all. I mean... We've seen plenty of guys yeah. leave teams. We've seen Look at James Aldridge. Harden right now. We've seen Russ. Like, you know, those guys eventually left. And, you know, what's happened? Dame is comfortable in Portland. And, I mean, no hate on Dame at all. I, You know, I got enough comments about Russell Westbrook. It's fine. No hate on Dame. But, I mean, with the Portland Trailblazers' recent string of losses, 
Dame has gone from a guy that was in MVP consideration. Like we were talking about Dame. We were talking about on this very podcast. We were saying, yo, there's a chance that Dame turns up that the Trailblazers, you know, jump up to like the fourth or the third seed or something. And Dame, you know, starts putting together those streak of games, those 50 point per, like games. We said that had a possibility of happening. Complete opposite has happened. He's been hurt. He's been injured, but he's also been, I'm looking at the stats right now, since April, he's played in 10 games and he is averaging 22 points per game and shooting 37% from the field. So, and also the Trailblazers, uh, I mean, you got to credit some bad luck to this and, you know, some just not closing it out, but the Blazers have out of the 10 games they've lost, they have a two point loss, a one point loss, a one point loss and a one point loss. So, okay. I mean, it's that close to, you know, switching it around. If they win those four games, are we even having this conversation? But before April, they've right been, now it's not looking good. Before April, they've been one of the best clutch teams in the NBA. They've won an unreal amount of close games. This team, we're saying right now, they could be so much better if they get those one-point victories, those victories within the margins. The reality is they could be so much worse, yes. Because Dame has to be absolutely unreal for this team to have a chance to win. It's actually disgusting. Yeah, so guys, we are capping off the giveaway to the first 40,000 subscribers that turn on our notifications for the Laced Up podcast. All you have to do to enter for a chance to win a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X is subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you want to do us a favor, leave a like on the pod and let me know in the comment section down below when it's done. You'll enter for a chance to win a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X. And like I said before, I will play PS5 with, or Xbox, well, I don't have an Xbox, so I'll play PS5. If you choose PS5 with whoever it is, if you want to play Park, I just got MLB The Show. It's been pretty fun. I'm not really great, so you'll probably beat me. Terry Stotts is a problem. There's no other way around it. What do you... How long has he been coaching there at this point? Like, I feel like... Okay, so... Oh, my God. He has been coaching for... Since 2013? I mean, they've been giving him a lot of leeway. I feel like at a certain point... You know, get a new voice. Exactly. In there? And this goes back to us saying that they have to try something new. Dame and CJ, look, I love CJ, but at some point you have to see what you can get for him. And you have to try something new. You have to get off of some more first round picks. If you really value Dame, like Dame values you, show it. Simple. How much how much of this do you think as a result of them trading Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell at the trade deadline? Do you think that could be because ever since then they haven't been as good? Yeah, there's definitely some chemistry issues there. Gary Trent Jr. has been phenomenal in in Toronto. And that's what happens when, you know, you go to an actual system as opposed to standing in a corner and being uber reliant on one player. Yeah, yeah. I think we can agree definitely that a new voice is, I, I would say, needed in the locker room. Um, I'm not exactly sure. What would you say CJ McCombs' trade value would be at this point? Because I think maybe the ship has unfortunately sailed on that. Like, I don't know. Because they they were talking about trading CJ. I mean, he's been somewhat in trade talks for a while at this point. He's consistently been giving you over 20, 22, 23 a night since you know 2016 right 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 uh but like i agree with you i mean at this point like 
you have to just say that it isn't working, but at the same time, there just hasn't been consistency in the center spot that you'd like, like defensively. I mean, it just might be defensively too. Dame and CJ just don't work together. Yeah, um, um, I'm pretty sure Trello is 36, 37 now. Right. And acquiring Mello was like one of their major moves that helped turn their season around not long ago. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to need better from Portland. To answer your question about CJ's trade value, last offseason, I really wanted to see, before the Bucks got Drew, I really wanted to see CJ for Chris Middleton. I feel like that would have been a really fair trade and just enough to shake things up for both teams. Hmm. Yeah, um, that would have been interesting. I think the problem with those kind of trades is uh, probably a team like the Bucks isn't there yet where they'd be willing to, at least last off season, they wouldn't, they're not there yet where they're willing to give up on Middleton, you know? They're like, okay, let's add Drew in, let's run this back. You know, as we already mentioned last podcast, you know, they're trying things out. We'll see them in the playoffs this year. But you're right, when it, when it comes down to like teams like the Bucks or Sixers or something, I mean, I'm not saying they're gonna get Ben Simmons for him, but I'm just saying a team that has been near the top recently, when they come to the playoffs again, if they underachieve again, then yeah, there probably is a guy that's gonna be out there that you could trade CJ for where both teams are looking to just, you know, add in a completely different look. And then you have a full season to prepare for it. I mean, right. at the same time, there's only so much the Portland Trailblazers could do. They're the Portland Trailblazers. They're not necessarily the largest market. So nabbing Carmelo Anthony, yeah, for a bigger team might be seen as a, okay, it's a 36-year-old forward that the game's passed him by. But for the Portland Trailblazers, that's probably one of the most savvy moves they've made. Um, you guys mentioned that they should try other things. They're trying everything they can. Trading Gary Trent for Norman Powell, I guess, was their way of saying, okay, you know, we, we're good with Gary Trent. Maybe we could be great with Norman Powell. I think the best thing that they could do here, because they're in a kind of similar situation that the Philadelphia 76ers were in last year, where they had the personnel. They seem to have had the right guys that could get them to a situation where they could win it, uh, where they could win. Like Coop said earlier in 2019, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. But I don't think Terry Stotts is the guy there, you know, and just as um, Brett Brown wasn't the guy in Philadelphia and bringing in Doc Rivers and placing an emphasis on Ben Simmons defensively changed the Philadelphia 76ers, I think the same thing could be said for the Portland Trailblazers and their coach. Or I could be completely wrong, and there's a direct correlation between Seth Curry leaving teams that are uh, that look like contenders, like Portland a few years ago, Dallas last year, and Philadelphia this year. <laughs> Either or. Mike, I love you, but trading for Norman Powell is a is the move that like you're guessing right now you think that's trying to get talent around dame trading for norman powell i'm saying look i'm not saying that hey this was their move like okay let's do it we got him you know like i'm not saying it was that type of move it was more like okay we gotta do something and that was you gotta do something bigger than norman powell though i I, i'm sorry all the i mean but all right so let's look at the trade deadline guys at least this trade deadline. So you got Aaron Gordon out there. 
Um, I would have liked Aaron rather, Gordon. I yeah, think. yeah, liked yeah. Him. I would have liked it. Yeah, I mean, he'd be a probably, great fit. Yeah, I'd it probably, probably that probably just looks like a better fit than I'd say for Norman Powell, especially uh, than Norman Powell, especially because Norman Powell, you know, he was he was going hot. On a scoring tear. Yeah. and yeah, you're always afraid of that. Um, but also, like now you have just two completely offensive-minded guards already in Dame and CJ, and you know it's kind of there's one basketball end of the day, so. You bring in a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's a glue guy, you know, fills fills a lot of roles. Definitely could have made a huge difference. I definitely agree with that. Um, but I will defend Mike in saying that I know what he's saying because they did trade Trent for Norman Powell, which was a move where you're trading young talent to get a, an older guy who wasn't too old. It wasn't like they were trading for DeMar, who, you know, I mean, I would maybe that would have worked out. But, um, you know, Trent... Uh, they're, they were going young talent for slightly older talent, get the timelines, you know, matching. What I would say is, are they going to trade uh, Simons? Uh, like, yeah, he's a good player. Do they really need but him? But I don't think his trade value is uh, what he's worth. So it's a tough situation. And I get what Mike is saying. I get what you're saying. Like, you know, yeah, they did try to make a move. But that's like a move to me that you're just making to like say you're making a move. I guess the idea was there. The execution was terrible. In my opinion, they sorted, they went, they looked at Norman Powell's game logs and they were like, yeah, I, I like this Powell guy. Like, he, they need he some might be defense the guy. on that. On yeah, the exactly. Roster, exactly. Um, their, their roster isn't built great, but at the end of the day, they should still be getting more out of them at the same time. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. and speaking of Dame, you know, speaking of all of this, We'll see what happens with Portland. You know, again, Dame's banged up. Right now, they're 32 and 28. They're still seventh in the West. So it's kind of funny that um, that Mark Cuban and Luca and everyone were complaining about having to do play in the playing game, which I actually want to talk about in a little bit about the playing game and what you guys think okay, um, okay, in general, okay. because I think that the playing game has been, you know, adding a lot of competitiveness, but getting ahead of yeah. myself, I do also want to talk about the man who supposedly bet his house on Damian Lillard. So, I do, have you guys seen this story? Oh, yeah, bet it. Wait, bet his house on Damian Lillard doing what? <laughs> he. So okay. So, um, hello, Clip Channel. Welcome. Um, so the story is going that a man asked Damian Lillard straight up. He's like, Dame. Can, will you like win 42 games? The NBA over under, I guess, for the Blazers this uh, season was 42 wins. He said, are you guys going to reach 42 wins? And Dame responded, quote tweeted him or something, responded and said, say less. And so the man apparently put in a bet. Now, did he bet his house? That seems absurd. That seems like he'd be a lot more upset because I've looked at his Twitter. But if you Google it right now. Guy bets house on Blazers. What time did the bet take place? Like what day? What day did the bet go down? Before the season. Before the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's 70. Uh, how many games are there this season? Uh, it's typically 72. 72. So there's 12 games left for the Portland Trail Blazers, and they're 32 and 28. Ooh. Gotta start winning. Gotta start winning. Ooh. Yo, I actually forgot there was 72 games. Like, holy crap. 
But like, here's what I don't get, okay? Like, I hate when people do this. I really hate when people do this. What's he? What's Damian Lillard supposed to say? Like, nothing. Nah. I mean, he doesn't have to say anything, though. Yeah, he, wait, no, yeah, he can just yeah, say nothing. He, he didn't have to reply to that tweet. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what is he Yo, supposed maybe to say? No, we're gonna lose. Out, at least he'll get like a Dame jersey out of this, or like maybe like tickets. Uh, I actually imagine. feel bad if he actually did this. Like Dame does, I feel like I don't want to say owe him, but like he's got to do something. Like, right? No, no. This guy's name is hilariously. It's Lord Tree Sap. Not sure what's bro, going on there. You're def, um, my man. You definitely are a sap for this bet, bro. Like, with all due respect, you don't. If he made this bet just based off of Dame saying "Say less," we're gonna win over 42 games. Then yeah, you're a freaking sap because <laughs> no NBA player is gonna say say that they're not gonna win more than the amount that they're expected to win. And I want to know how much of a bet this was. How much Dogecoin could he have bought? How much Doge this guy? Let's not talk. Let's, ah, missed opportunities. Um, but yeah, uh, who who knows? Is he actually? I'm looking at his Twitter account. He has like a fake ad, I think, going on. I don't know. He's getting some. He's getting a lot of attention recently. There's a Michael Scott meme. Have you seen the Scott's Tots? No. Yeah, I have. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like Dame saying say less and then it's Michael Scott with the Scott Stotts because he's not delivering on his promise at all. Oh my god. <laughs> the original tweet was Dame, how's your hamstring? I need you guys to win 42 games this year or I lose my house. Hey, somehow I swear to god, somehow I've read this like 5 times like preparing for this. I read this just scrolling through Twitter the other day. I never saw I lose my house. He goes, huge fan, even if I'm in the mansion or homeless. And just Dame goes, say less. So he should have said more. Should have said, don't bet your house, you idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm coming down hard on this guy because I want to make sure people that are watching this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, don't make as dumb of a mistake as this guy. You don't go, you don't base a huge decision, which is your house. Like, how do you explain that to your wife and kids? Like, honey, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Imagine but. watching, imagine watching Blazers games. Also, yes, never, never bet or gamble what you cannot afford to lose. Hard rule in life, but um, for sure. But imagine watching Blazers games with that type of intensity with your house on the line. All year? Oh my god. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds kinda lit. That sounds kinda yeah, lit. That's crazy. Not smart, but lit. Not smart, but yeah, like your whole <laughs> your life is on the line. Oh I can understand god. I could understand the rationale too, because like in the playoffs last year, Dame was a dog, you know? Like his yeah. sister was talking about Paul George's like uh fiance and you know, like he was hitting these crazy shots. Like, yeah, I'd be juiced up betting on Dame too. Okay. You know? In so, the play-in, he was a dog. Not the playoffs. In the play-in, in the play-in, my in bad. The play -in. He, yeah, chose he was the going wrong crazy. Team. He was going crazy. He went with the wrong team. You know, Suns, Devin Booker was a dog. Look where they're at. True. Very true. I mean, the only solution I have for Damian Lillard at this point is, uh, you know, what, could you guys see this? Come to the Lakers, baby. RIP Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Um, honestly, here's the I thing. Kobe back here. Oh, you do? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's Kobe. That's Jordan and LeBron with Kobe in the back. That's sick. Um, here's the thing. 
if you're Damian Lillard, you know, and say like you want to win a championship, which I don't think he really cares. Was it? I don't know if it was Damian. L no, it was Russell Westbrook that said like he doesn't care about winning. He's already set up for life. He just wants to play. But if you're Damian Lillard, you know, Damian Lillard is clearly a competitor. His contract extension hasn't even set in. It hasn't even kicked in yet. You know, if you're Damian Lillard, at what point do you kind of pull a James Harden where you're like stamping your feet and saying, listen, like, I'm going to be 31 next year. It's, you know, time for me to start contending and trade me to a contender, which probably, by the way, he has no leverage. He has his contract extension hasn't kicked in yet. And if that's the case, I don't think Dame. Go ahead. I'm just saying, I don't think he would, I, I don't think he would stop his feet. I think he would do it respectfully, but. You don't think he'd wear a fat suit just so he could uh, get traded? <laughs> no. And I also regret not posting a video about that fat suit. <laughs> the video's banged. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see it. I could see LeBron James whispering in his ear. I could see him like trying to lure him over to the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, very LeBron thing to do to try to get as much help as he can get. Uh, Damian Lillard literally gave the Trailblazers his best years. At that point, I'd like to see him leave, even if it's not to the Lakers. And I know you guys are going to say, this guy's a Laker fan. Let's hate on him because he thinks he's getting everybody. But I just want to see the guy in a situation where he could contend. Listen, out of I'm, I'm going to say out of, like, you know, I don't want the Lakers to win. Why? Ever. But um, why? You have, you've won enough. It's the Chicago we Bulls turn. We'll talk about that, that more, too, because... I'm currently in a situation as a Bulls fan where we might both not make the playoffs and lose our pick. And it's it's actually likely that we that both of those will happen. But it's, it's um, I will say, you know, if there was a guy to go there, I would like to see Dame succeed. I love Dame. You know, he's yeah. been doing it. So you're on the Dame to the Lakers train. Um, he, I don't want to. He's on the Dame to a winner. Dame to a winner. Yeah. Dame to a winner on, train. Yeah. Let's let's get him to the Bucks. Or let's get him to the, let's get, where do I want to get him? Hmm, Chicago Bulls? No, yeah. no, no, championship. no. Spe speaking about my Lakers, you know, obligatory Lakers talk here. My man, Anthony Davis, which was Coop's boy a couple of years ago, you know, but came to the Lakers. Um, Return. And he, you know, he's from Chicago. You know, you gotta. Yeah, I saw. I saw those jersey swaps where you guys thought that Anthony Davis was going to return to Chicago after winning a championship in LA. I thought that was very cute. Um, what do you think about the Los Angeles Lakers? Listen, chances? I never thought that, but. <laughs> what do you think about the Los Angeles Lakers' chances? Um, um, I think Lakers. I think we're probably you know in that same situation where. I don't know. It's just, when is it ever going to happen? When is it going to happen where LeBron takes that step back and is not the superhuman that he always is in the playoffs? You know, what year does it happen? Until it happens, I'm not going to count him out. I will just assume that LeBron's just going to mow everyone down and make it to the NBA Finals. He's got Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond. You know, that was our big Man. topic of the first pod. How do you think he's been playing? Because I know I've been seeing a lot of NBA Twitter has been ripping Andre Drummond. They've been ripping his floor spacing. They haven't liked him and his defense. The other day, you know, Norman Norman Powell. I know. Yeah. No. Norman Powell. The other day, the other day, Dwight Powell. Correct. The other day, Dwight, Dwight Powell starts off the game with the Mavericks. You know, a little fake. Just 
throws down on Drummond as Drummond just stands at the three-point line. Uh, and NBA Twitter erupted saying, what is Andre Drummond uh. doing? And there's a lot of replies going. A lot of replies going, he's been doing this since Cleveland. And then a lot of replies to that going, Cleveland, he's been doing this since Detroit. Then replies from that going, he's been doing this since UConn. I, so, I think Andre Drummond has been doing just fine given his circumstances. And, you know, he just started playing with us. He literally just took the floor with Anthony Davis just a few days ago. And I really hate when people just take little bit of like little clips out of context and say, oh, hurt the dirt. Look at this one play where Andre Drummond made the wrong rotation when he's in a brand new system. And Frank Vogel's notorious for his uh, defensive schemes being slightly more complex than the average defensive scheme. Yeah, it's going to take him a minute. He just got Anthony Davis back as well. His DP, his DBPM is, by the way, the highest it's ever been throughout his entire career. But bear in mind, he's only played 10 games. I'm not worried. I'll tell you what I'm worried about. And it's not Andre Drummond. I'm more worried about the fact that we got Anthony Davis back three games ago. We're one and two with him so far. Yes, he was in a minutes restriction for the first two uh, first two games. But the Lakers only have 12 games left. LeBron James is apparently set to come back some point this week. He picked a great time to load manage, you know, Anthony Davis as well, really taking it easy before making this big push in the NBA playoffs. But I would be a huge hypocrite if I didn't throw the same take I threw at the Nets at my Lakers, which is LeBron James is going to come back maybe with like, I don't know, 10 to nine games left. Is that enough time to get on the same page with Andre Drummond, you know, shake off the cobwebs with Anthony Davis, make sure you're on the same page with your brand new teammates like Ben McLemore and just get ready and gear up to make probably the most difficult playoff run you've ever had to make. Because so far, if the playoffs were to start today, guess who the Lakers are going to mean the first round? The Denver Nuggets. So I'm more concerned about that. That looks like a, that looks like it's definitely gonna happen too. I mean, but at this point, you guys are either playing the Nuggets or the Clippers, so Clippers would be awesome. But I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, no matter what, the West is brutal. So I mean, what with everything you just said, I'll say you know I'm I'm not concerned at all about LeBron coming back with like ten or nine games. I think that the Lakers have you know he played this year. The Lakers with plenty of these guys. Lakers have a more established system that they've, you know, been in. Guys like Ben McLemore, you know, I think they're more like, you know, plug this guy in. He fills a role that's not as complicated. Uh, what I will say is that I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on Andre Drummond. I'm not saying he's been playing poorly. It's not at all. Notice I was very clear saying that NBA Twitter said that. Um, I think he's been doing fine, especially with like what is expected of him too. However, I will say that would be the, my number one question mark. How is he going to play with Andre Drummond? Because that is the real giant difference here. You know, suddenly Andre Drummond is a completely different center for their roster compared to what they had, they've had in the past. My concern for the Lakers isn't really uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Andre Drummond. It's just honestly, man, the West, the, the rest of the Western conference is just so good this season. Like, the, the Lakers are going to have to be on their A game come playoff time. When I look at the Western Conference, I mean, I'm looking at teams even in the play-in tourney that I could see advancing to the second round of the NBA playoffs. And if I'm a Western Conference team, like, yo, that's a little scary for me. 
You were also you also said last year that you were afraid of the uh, that the Lakers should be afraid of the Portland Trailblazers. I haven't forgotten about that. No, 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 no. You misquoted me. I said the Portland Trailblazers were a team that nobody wanted to play, and you yourself said Dame was incredibly hot in the play and turning. Just because they lost to just because the Blazers the Blazers lost to the Lakers doesn't mean that they were a team that everybody wanted to play. What I said was right. Okay, regardless point. of the outcome. Very fair he point. Um, I, I will say uh, you're lucky that, I mean, not lucky, but yeah, technically lucky that Jamal Murray is out because if Jamal Murray was not out, I would be straight up incredibly afraid if I was a Lakers fan. Oh, yeah. I'm still, especially with, the way, especially with the way Michael Porter Jr. has been playing. He's been on fire. Oh, my goodness. Bro's, like, is, bro's like a 6'10 can, clay. Can we talk about him for a second? He's, he's a beast. Like, Please. what is happening? I mean, the man is knocked down, like knocked down. I mean, he's always he been this shooting. efficient. He just needed a bigger role. Yeah, I'm saying if anything, I think the Nuggets might be a little bit better now that Michael Porter Jr. has to take that bigger role and be a bit more aggressive, which is something that like I've been monitoring his career like every step of the way so far. And the number one theme in Michael Porter Jr.'s career so far has always been, give me more, let me do more, like stop limiting me so much. And now he's kind of got it. And the attention isn't on him all the time. It's on Jokic primarily. And he gets so many easy points also with backdoor cuts, fantastic passing and spot up shooting. I'm definitely still as terrified, if not even a little bit more terrified of the Denver Nuggets come playoff time. Unless, go ahead. I was going to say, do the Lakers have a guy on the roster that matches up with Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, I guess LeBron James, but you're not going to want to tire him out like that, are you? Um. Yeah, probably not. It's really hard. D defensive stoppers just are very scarce in today's NBA. You know, it's very hard yeah. to find good, high-energy defensive players. So we don't have a player really like that. K KCP is, like, solid. But you got Caruso. Year, yeah, Caruso as well. Last year, our go-to guy for that is no longer on our team, and that was Avery Bradley. So, Ooh. And I don't even think – I don't even know if I would want a player as undersized as Bradley – on Michael Porter Jr. So yeah, it's definitely something that is gonna be a little bit of a shootout once we get to the NBA playoffs. But also I think I'm okay letting Michael Porter Jr. go off for 30, 40, and I'm even prepared for him to go off for 50. So long as we have someone that can match up with Jokic fairly decently and that could match up with Aaron Gordon. And I think our front court could match up with Jokic and Aaron Gordon fairly well. Not to the point where they could completely stop Jokic, but at least slow him down. I hope you're right, because Jokic was cooking Anthony Davis in the playoffs last season. And I'm not sure Andre Drummond is uh, fundamentally sound enough to stop somebody as crafty as Jokic. It's going to be fun for sure. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Yeah, especially with, you're right, defensive matchups are going to be huge if the Lakers are going to go you know, big, start Andre ad and lebron who do they match up with i don't know but i will disagree with you mike with one thing and that is that i i don't think you can just be giving uh michael porter jr if he is dry if michael porter jr is getting 30 points on you in the playoffs that is a problem yeah you're in trouble like coop said like coop said he doesn't he doesn't do it on many shots he's incredibly efficient so if he's dropping 30 like you see right now if you just go to his game log like last uh, last game they played against Memphis, you know, he's 12 for 19, 
three for six from three, 31 points. Like those are the kind of 30 point games you get from Michael Porter Jr. So, uh, I mean, he's not the kind of guy where it's like the Spurs way back where they let Steve Nash just shoot the basketball and he didn't get his teammates involved. Like, uh, Jokic runs that offense. And if Porter is scoring 30, he's getting it off of looks that aren't necessarily designed for him. So that would concern me if I was a Lakers fan. The reason why I guess I'm not as concerned is because the Lakers currently lead the NBA in team defensive efficiency. And that's without LeBron. That's without AD. So I'm hoping that... I think the, I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think they'll win. However, I will say long-term, um, this could be a situation where uh, Jamal Murray going down ends up being so big for Michael Porter Jr.'s Agreed. development as a player and makes them just you know take that next step mm-hmm. up next yeah. year and going forward. Yeah, I agree. Because with, now he I is in that, that bigger role. Yeah. Hopefully, probably to all-star status at the very least next year. Oh, uh, he's been he's been unreal, dude. Oh my god, the fact that I mean the Bulls pass on him for Wendell, who's thriving Ooh. in Orlando. Uh, freaking Clippers, Jerome Jerome Robinson. That name should haunt Los Angeles Clippers fans. The Clippers had Michael Porter Jr. right now, which they easily could with the same roster, literally same roster. God. I mean, think of all the teams that passed on Michael Porter Jr. Nuggets. I, that, that was that was free money at this point. At that point in the draft, too. Yeah, that was like I was kind of shocked that I was kind of shocked too because I thought Michael Porter Jr. would like without a doubt be like a top seven pick at the very least. So because typically, like in the top ten, yeah, it's a top ten pick. But how often do you have an opportunity to take a shot on a player that could? definitely become like a matchup nightmare and a bonafide all-star and like he was very hyped up coming out of high school of course so was like a bunch of other players like jabari parker and andrew wiggins that didn't make it but when a player that was a presumptive top three pick falls all the way down to like number 13 like yeah was like 13 14 15 something i don't know how you let that happen 14 like no general you're not going to get fired over that pick if you take michael porter jr at number 9 10 or 11 so i I don't i don't know how he made it all the way down there and like the nuggets i've said this in the past the nuggets have just always been really like remarkable at talent evaluation and drafting like the same draft that they drafted Jokic was also the same draft that they drafted Nurkic people don't even uh, think of the fact that Jokic was a second round pick when's the last time a second round pick was in the MVP conversation and then on top of that you like fact uh, and this is just Isaiah Thomas um uh, well no oh yeah Isaiah Thomas was Mr. Irrelevant yeah um then on top of that, you look at like I was some, agreeing with you, but then I just like actually had like a, you just have you just have <laughs> like I like it popped in my head. What, what can I say? You, you just have this impulse. It's like no disagree with. I literally Mike. was nodding, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, Isaiah Thomas." I was gonna say never, and instead the word I swear to God, the words Isaiah Thomas came out instead of never. I mean, like, but like to be fair, like Jokic is literally the MVP favorite, and Isaiah was never gonna win that award. So there's definitely a difference. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm very impressed with the way Denver constructed their roster. It just truly 
remarkable asset management, taking good calculated risks like Bull Bull. Dude, that was a second round pick. And like people are people drool over Bull Bull, even though he's like a role player, you know, like having him at least to develop in the long term. Great experiment. Michael Porter Jr., another very low risk, high reward pick. They traded RJ Hampton. It's just I don't know. Every time the Nuggets draft someone now, I kind of look at them. I'm like, uh oh, like they know something that I don't. And I don't know. Props to them. To touch back on the Lakers potentially playing the Nuggets, I'm going to say this right now. The Nuggets are a team that I definitely don't want to play. Um, beyond Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon has been fantastic for them. This team is a matchup nightmare. They have two guys, 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", that like, you know, do everything on the basketball floor. And, you know, the more I look at that, the more that's like trouble for Andre Drummond and some of these Lakers lineups. Like, yeah, I guess they could go small with LeBron uh, at the at the four and Anthony Davis. But then who are you going to have playing that three matching up with Gordon or Michael Porter Jr.? Uh, I'm excited for the playoffs, man. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's going to be very tough. We're going to get a little bit of a preview of it, too, because I think next week the Lakers and the Nuggets face off against each other. I don't know if LeBron's going to return by then. Dennis Schroeder kind of like did a thing where he was like giggling. He's like, he he LeBron's going to return soon. Just you wait and see. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But there's another team I wanted to cover in the West, and I made a video about this on my channel. And it's about Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Before we get into that, before because I know we're not going to return to this. LeBron James rookie card sells for record-breaking $5.2 million. What are you guys thinking about that? Um, Matt, I'm not the one that sold it. For one, that's like the number one thing. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. So no. it's, it's not an NFT. It's his actual rookie card. No, this is no, this is real. You know, you could touch this one. Whoa, okay. NFTs you are real too. Okay, well, yeah, but well, <laughs> I said you could touch this one. I mean, I guess you could touch your computer screen. Um, regardless, yes. So the deal with this card is, I'm looking right now, is that it there was only 23 ever created, so that makes it incredibly rare to begin with. Uh, it has like it's a it's a signed card that also has a patch of his jersey from his rookie year. And what's crazy is that it actually isn't in 10 out of 10 mint condition. It's nine out of 10. So like if you guys like I'm sure a lot of people watching this right now have been, you know, they watch the Logan Paul or whatever Pokemon card pulls and the difference between a 10 out of 10 and a nine out of 10 is dramatic in price. But this still is the most expensive basketball card ever sold at nine out of 10, which is pretty crazy. And what's even crazier to me is that this is breaking the record that just got set. I think it was um, in March or something or February, February, a one of a kind Luka Doncic card was sold for four point six million dollars. So within the last few months, we've had the two largest NBA basketball sales of all time. Um, the LeBron card, I think was probably a remarkable sale, like an absolute huge come up by 
I don't even know how much it probably costed him to get that originally, but a fantastic sale. Congratulations. Please don't bet that money on the Portland Trailblazers potentially um, winning more than 42 games. But that's a huge come up, and it's really nice to see people come up this way. Luka Doncic, on the other hand, I think the guy should have waited a little bit. You know, like Luka just got into the league uh, a few years ago. He's clearly trending up. I even think that once LeBron James goes, he could be the f uh, face of the NBA someday. I think he could take this game international, like even more international. But at the same time, I'm one of those people that like, I'm just so bad at like holding on to things and keeping them in mint condition. So like more power to the, uh, to both of them for like selling it for the amount that it goes. I was I was just gonna say, like it's at the end of the day, it's four point six million. You know, like we're all sitting here and like we suddenly had four point six million dollars. We have that card ready to go. Like I don't think I'm holding on to it for ten years. You got paper hands, bro. Paper hands. I want four point six million dollars. Wait, is diamond hands when you sell or when you hold? Oh my God, you don't even know. You're just accusing me of things that you don't even know. I just like know. saying you do stuff. Paper <laughs> hands is, yeah, you let it you let it go. And diamond hands is when you hold. But uh, All right, so I got it right. Dope. By the way, if you diamond handed Doge, like Korzumba wanted you to, <laughs> you might be at a loss. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. might be at a loss. <laughs> you might be at a loss. Well, you might have not profited as much as you, you could have. What's it at right, right now? Just for-, for 27 crash. cents last time I checked. 27 cents? Yeah. Um, I actually... Wait, I, was, I wanted him to diamond hand it? Yeah, you were like, diamond hands. Arg, arg, arg. You gotta no, have didn't. diamond hands. Yes, you did! I, what? Pull I, up this clip for me. What are you, this is what's the, oh, happening? This, this is, I literally yeah. was saying last pod, like, you're never... Uh, you never lose selling at a profit. And you're like, well, diamond hands, diamond hands, diamond hands. Oh, that was a joke. Oh, my gosh. That was just wait, no, I was literally choked. Wasn't it first Was it our first podcast when like no. I brought oh. up Dogecoin? Like we briefly talked about it. Or no, we were talking about Top Shot or something like that, and we briefly touched up on it. And I was feeling so good about myself because I sold it for like three times or four times as much. But no, you know, I could have sold it for like twenty-five times as much, but you know, it's life. <laughs> I I literally I definitely didn't tell him to diamond hand Dogecoin at forty. No 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 no. I mean, if if I told you to diamond hand a month ago, then I was looking great. No 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 no. You were just preaching diamond hands. You were just preaching diamond hands last uh last last pod. Maybe you were joking. If you were, it wasn't very. I was joking. I was. It was not. Either way, either way, definitely at forty cents. I'm telling you, sell your freaking Doge. Whenever you make substantial profit, sell. Either way, either way, Wall Street bets. Would you diamond hand? Would you have diamond hands um, the Luka Doncic card? No, because I, I want four million dollars. So, like, how much was it originally? Like when he opened it at first and said, "Oh my God, I got Luka Doncic." Was it like a million or five hundred thousand? Like, at what point do you? It say had to have been a lot, probably right off the bat. Yeah, I'd say because it was only from two thousand eighteen. Oh so. wow. I mean, yeah, man, you hold if you I mean, again, assuming you have the ability to hold on to something like I remember um, like a couple of years ago, maybe like five years ago, I got this like Tom Brady lanyard of like a very rare Tom Brady card. And they God, told me I'm so excited. Yeah. And All like right. if 
if uh, they said if like I held this in perfect condition, I could sell it for like seven grand. And like at that point, I was like, oh, it's not in perfect condition. And they're like, it's been a day. And I'm like, yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. 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 I'm going to play this and you let me know what it sounds like to you. Anyways, what my cue was. Diamond hands. Honestly, what we've all learned from this is diamond hands. Diamond hands. No. Hey, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. That was what I was saying. I mean, a part of me wants to listen to him, given like what's been happening to us lately, Coop. Like, no, no, no. That diamond hands reference was to when Mike sold at the four times profit, and I just went diamond hands because he could have sold for much more. But look. You, you're never losing taking profits. That's the name of the game right there. By the way, not a financial advisor. Not a financial uh, advisor. I'm just, I'm just an idiot that puts I'm the money opposite. in. I literally said, I'm the opposite. I literally go. 4K, bro. 4K. That was not 4K. 4K. Boy, get out. 4K, 4K bro. 4K. <laughs> no, that might be 8K, bro. That's ultra HD. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a, that was filmed on a freaking potato. What do you mean? <laughs> So 1080, 1080. What's a potato in in 2021? Like, uh, like 480. Uh, Can you? Uh, if you go, iPod. this is off topic a little bit. We're gonna get right back on topic. This is my bad. I really don't want to take the pot here. But could you believe like 10 years ago what YouTube videos used to look like? Like, have you ever tried to go like find a clip from the NBA in like 2012 and 2013? And like, you just look at the quality and you're like, how are we watching this? <laughs> like those old HD um, PBR gameplays. Yeah. I'm actually, that's actually brings up a great point that I'm very confused um, about. And it's like, for some reason, I feel like when you watch older games, like, do they remaster like some games that are like 1980s or 1990s? Like, you'll see like a 1990s game on television uh, and it's like really good quality. And then suddenly it's like you watch a 2002, like Tracy McGrady, right. Allen Iverson game. Same thing on like NBA TV, and it's like you don't even you can't even see what's happening. I'm like, how did anyone watch this? And how how were we watching back then? How were we just like, yeah, oh my god, this is great. Um, because yeah. our our eyes didn't get like adjusted to HD. You know, yeah. there was there was a point where like you know I I remember being a kid, and the message that was conveyed to me is, hey, if you want better, go to the actual game. If you actually want to see things more clearly. Now it's kind of like, okay, you could go to the game for the vibe and the atmosphere, but probably like if you want to see everything with the best viewing experience, you could probably get a good situation just at home on your own TV in like 1080p or 4K. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I want to ask you guys about, uh, if you guys are done, by the way, um, I want to ask you guys about a video I made recently yeah, yeah, yeah. on the Dallas Mavericks on Luca. On <clears throat> Shameless plug. Right. <laughs> um, all right, fine. A, a video that I watched um, on Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis. Video that I, that I made. You could type in my favorite. Line. My favorite mic that creates NBA content. Like the number one mic. Bear in mind um, that makes NBA content. Mic number one. I'm um, just going to say, y'all are lucky that I'm not a mic. That's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> um. So, did you guys? So did you guys hear what Mark Cuban said about Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis' relationship? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So, so I also read your comments. My comments? What did they, what did they say? People were not happy with you. Oh, yeah. Bro, 
Luca and Kristaps have like some very strong stand groups. Like it's ah, like they're they're a really strong group of supporters. I respect it though. Um, I respect it. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Because at the end of the day, I want Luca to succeed. Um, but and some people called this a reach. It's just at first I thought it was a reach, but then. I just saw there was way too many things that were just a coincidence, in my opinion. Like, Kristaps Porzingis, like, even before this story came out, I kind of had my finger on the pulse of the situation, but I didn't make a video on it because it was a reach. Like, stuff like when Luka hit that game winner against the Grizzlies. If you want, you can right. play the clip for the pod to see. You could look at Kristaps and, like, he's just very apathetic. I don't know if that's his demeanor. Maybe that's just his demeanor typically. You know, everyone on the so, team on the Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off, Mike. What did uh what did Cuban exactly say? All right, so this came out like after all of the rumblings about their relationship. And Cuban said that um here, let me see. On the court they are fine. That's not to say there aren't dust-ups because there are coaches coach and Rick Carlisle kind of runs the show, so everything gets worked out on the court. KP and Luca get along fine. It's just that they're different people and they like to do different things. And, you know, I, when you take that at face value, you're like, okay, cool, no big deal. But this is where it gets a little weird. He goes, I'd compare Luca and Porzingis's relationship to Jason Terry and Dirk Nowitzki. They weren't best friends at the beginning, but eventually they grew to like each other and they grew to be great friends. And that's just part of the process when you've got young kids who are growing up. It took forever before Dirk and Jet did anything off the court together a very long time. So, like, it kind of seems like, all right, these two, you know, they don't love each other. They don't hate each other. But when you look at Porzingis' demeanor, like, at the conclusion of that game winner, and then when he's being interviewed about Luka, he's kind of rolling his eyes sometimes or is, like, annoyed about answering questions about him. And there was even a point where... Um, and I'll try to get this clip so we could play it. Um, there was a point where an interviewer, a reporter literally asked them, hey, like you guys fist bumped today. And it was seen as like this great spectacle because you guys don't really interact with each other. Is there anything um, is there anything going on between you two? And Porzingis like kind of danced around it. I'll try to get his direct quote, but he didn't really say anything to calm down the reports about them having chemistry issues. If anything, here, let me see if I could bring it up. Let me see here. I found it. Um, the direct quote that Porzingis said was, um, and even Tim McMahon tweeted about this. Um, we're trying to play together and help each other. We want to win. And at the end, we all want to win here. And that's it. We have to keep playing and keep playing together and keep playing well and help each other. When they were asked about the lack of interaction between both of them, Porzingis really just didn't say anything. He didn't really shoot it down. He kind of tried to change the subject. So maybe this is a reach and you guys could be the judge, but... There has to be something here and combine that with the fact that the Mavericks aren't actually dominating. There's some injury issues with Porzingis this year. What do you guys think? Do you think that there's some chemistry issues? Do you think there's, this is nothing? Well, when it comes to this, I think there's definitely something there. I mean, Cuban just pretty much told us that there's something and, you know, he's expecting it to get better as time goes on. But 
I'm not sure the Mavericks exactly embraced Kristaps' skill set when he came to Dallas. This is a team that doesn't really believe in post-ups. They don't really believe in um, some of the things that Kristaps brings to the table. Uh, they like him spacing the floor, and I'm not sure like his role right now is playing to his potential. And a lot of times I notice that his body language is just, it's, it's off. And, you know, it's unfortunate because Kristaps is a great player. Luka's a great player. But it, sometimes you have to be a certain type of player to, like, buy into your role, to buy in to playing with somebody like Luka. And at the same time, Luka is somebody that you can tell the man's greatness. And Kristaps hasn't exactly been the healthiest. If you're Luka and you're fighting for the playoffs and you're trying to take the Mavericks to the next level... Like, I think, yeah, you could get frustrated if somebody is continually getting injured, even if it's not their fault. I think um, I think Luca is going to look back at this season as a huge learning season for him leadership wise, because if you look at a young LeBron James, um, I'd say he would probably say the same thing is that, you know, he learned a lot about becoming a leader. You know, as time goes on, it's just a natural progression. You know, Luca's what had 20 one ish 20 whatever luke is it's, it's it's hard to lead you know 30 year old men at that age luca is 22 years old okay just turned 22 it's, it's hard to lead grown men it's hard to he's kind it, of been it's, doing it's a, it his whole life though so yeah but it's a skill that i guess like is acquired more i don't know like yeah, i don't think yeah. i would say i don't think like it gets acquired more over time and i don't think he's handling this the best way i don't think porzingis is handling this the best way i think they're both like if there's animosity here then they have to you know talk it out because right now they're the future of the mavericks i'm not sure what the mavericks are doing if this doesn't work out like i don't know what kind of trade value porzingis would have i would say that Kristaps, i i understand why he gets annoyed in those uh clips that you see in the locker room like how many times when you're an all-star level talent yourself, when you believe like, hey, I'm this kind of guy, I believe I'm an all-star in the NBA. Why do you keep asking me about Luca? Ask me about me. You know, I understand that perfectly. But at the same time, you know, Luca himself has admitted that he's kind of been like a baby on the court. He complains about too many calls. He's been hot-headed. He's he's I think he's second in the NBA this year in technical fouls. He's, it's a growing process. It's a learning process. Um, I don't like, hopefully, you know, the Mavericks, I would say if this is a problem, which Mark Cuban has admitted, you know, he's admitted it's a problem. And he, like, like you said, Mike, he admitted it's a problem. And he also mentioned Jason Terry and Dirk Nowitzki directly. And that ended up working out and it ended up you know, solving itself. Right now, all he did with this is admit that it's a problem and there has no been, there, it hasn't been solved. So the jury remains out on there. We'll see if they're able to solve it. We'll see, is Cuban gonna, you know, step in, try to do what happened with Derek and Jason Terry? I don't know. I will definitely say though, that there has been some smoke coming here. I won't say there's a fire there quite yet, but it's definitely something to look out for. The team definitely did take a step back this year compared to last year. Um, but 
if you look at the team's makeup for the most part, I think they fixed the thing that made them better last year. Well, actually, no, they're doing exactly the same. It's just they got red hot in um, the NBA bubble. I think the Dallas Mavericks need to make a similar, like kind of like what we were saying about the Portland Trailblazers. The Dallas Mavericks are in a little bit of a different situation because I feel like if they're dominant enough, they could be one of the large markets of the NBA because Dallas is technically like very big in the football market. But, and I think they could become that for basketball. But I do think that they need one more solid piece to pair with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, a player that could really be dependent upon for scoring. And I think that could really help them. But at the same time, I have to agree with Coop in terms of Porzingis's availability. He hasn't been, he's been injured a lot this year. He's only played in 39 total games. When he's been playing, he's been good, like 20 points per game, you know, which, is good, I suppose, in today's NBA. Nine rebounds per game. He's been shooting for 47% uh, from the field and 36% from three. Um, I don't know if you guys believe in PER, 21.5 PER. And in terms of overall box plus minus, he's 2.1. The thing is, for what you're paying Kristaps Porzingis, you know, he's one of your like franchise cornerstones. I personally would want to see more of a contribution from him and whether that starts at the very like whether that starts with Rick Carlisle trying to figure out how to cater the game a bit more to Porzingis' strengths or just you know moving on from him in general I don't know what that's going to be but the one thing that's for sure is they need more out of Porzingis if they want to be successful in the West. This is a team that could easily be like, and this is a huge compliment considering how strong the West is. This is a team that if they fulfill their potential could at least be a top four team in the West with all things considered. So they're not getting, they're not getting the most out of their team so far. So serious question. You said they could benefit from having another star alongside um, Luca and Kristaps. How do they get that star one? And in your opinion, who is the perfect star for Luca and Kristaps Porzingis? I feel like you need a very unique skill set to to be that perfect fit next to Luca, and I'm saying perfect fit. So I would say the perfect star, and I'm not the perfect star, and whether the star is attainable are two different things. I think the perfect star for the Dallas Mavericks would be a player like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, either one of those. A player that really sets the tone defensively, can create his own shot, would needs a good playmaker around him so there's not too much pressure on him scoring, would be so ideal and take this team to the next level. But I don't think they're not I don't think they're really attainable unless, you know, the Clippers have some sort of meltdown this offseason and Kawhi Leonard decides to leave and Paul George is on the trade block. I'd say that's probably the most ideal. What about you guys? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was thinking those exact two names. Uh, but yet, like you said, I mean, there's a difference in availability. I don't know what's going to happen to Paul George if Kawhi leaves because the Clippers are kind of just stuck without a lot of their picks. So, uh, and I don't think Kawhi Leonard is going to choose Dallas. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to choose yeah. Dallas either. 
He already had his run in Texas, and I think he just wants to be at home at this point. But I think that's what the clip. Um, I think that's what the Mavericks would need to be successful. They have a game-changing talent. Like Luka Doncic's ability to manipulate defenses is on par with probably like some of the greatest that we've ever seen. And he's still just 21 years old. Like I think he's just 20 years old. He can't even drink yet legally. But like he's like a couple of months away from his birthday. But he's 22. He's 22. Yeah. Cut that out. Thanks for the fact check. <laughs> Thanks for Good. the fact check. Um, I, I still think we're in 2020 for some reason because of the pandemic. But like I was saying, he has this unparalleled ability to um, completely manipulate defenses. And that's very hard to find. Now you just have to find those right supporting pieces. And I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is great, but you could do better. I think Porzingis is great in terms of telling him, hey, we're doing everything we can to put a good supporting cast around you. But I, I don't think, think Porzingis just, is great for them. I, I mean, I at the time, at the but like at the time the move was made. I think he's a fit. I think he could maybe develop into that perfect fit. But I don't think. I mean, look, if you look at Porzingis' shooting numbers, like, you know, sometimes it's like feed the man a little more, you know, get him like if he's going, if he's hot early on, you know, be, be a point guard, get him more touches, get him happy. Like, I think that's part of his frustration. I think he rightfully so at times is, you know, getting just annoyed at the limited opportunities he'll get at times. Like, I mean, I've watched plenty of Mavericks games. I've seen Porzingis wide open plenty of times. And yeah. like, I guess it's taking a toll on him, you know? Uh, so, and he's shooting well this year. He's shooting, He's his percentages are up, his true shooting percentages up. So I think that's on both Luca and Carlisle to, you know, get him some just maybe different touches. And because I don't know where, like I said, I don't know where they go if Porzingis doesn't work out. I don't know what they're getting for him. I don't know who, like what, what happens. Like their roster is not full of assets to say the least. Yeah. So it puts them in a very tough spot. Honestly, they, I do think I would not ever knock them for the Porzingis trade because when you think of it, like everyone, I, I don't like when people say that the Knicks won the Porzingis trade because none of those players that the Knicks traded for are on the team anymore. They do get some first round picks, but in terms of Dallas just trying to convey to Luca, like, hey, we're invested in you. We're taking you seriously. This isn't anything like LeBron's first uh, seven years in Cleveland. I think it was a good move for them. I hope they figure it out. I think it starts with Rick Carlisle. And the thing is, he has a he has this reputation of being very stubborn when it comes to his offense. And that's why him and Rondo kind of butted heads. So, I mean, at the end, we'll just have to see when Porzingis does come back. But stagnation is never a good thing, and Dallas definitely needs to make a move here. Agreed, Mike. Couldn't have said it better myself. I know this is football, but do you guys watch EDP four four five? Either of no. you guys? No, 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 no. I stopped. I stopped watching him a long time ago. Yeah. Also, his, to be his... honest, I know there's a scandal going on, but I'm not fully in the know at all so his style of content is fairly dated because like you know he came up on youtube when you could curse there wasn't an apocalypse there wasn't like mass demonetization and you could say like pretty much whatever you want but pretty much it's this guy 
who has 2 million YouTube subscribers, who is pretty much well known for like very ignorant, but yet authentic sports rants, mainly favoring his favorite NFL team, the Philadelphia Eagles, but it's very aggressive. Like he'll take the team, he'll take like a Dallas Cowboys jersey and like stick it in his pants, like stuff like that. Very like 2012, you can do whatever you want on YouTube type of humor. And people kind of gravitated towards him because of that, because it's just, it, I'm going to give it to him. It was comical. So he's not the most attractive individual, you know, very like he's definitely obese without a doubt. Um, and there were rumors about him potentially talking to little kids. And um, we're going to use the word little, little kids here. Um, so someone tipped off an individual by the name of Alex Rosen, who created this YouTube channel. And there's a whole rabbit hole about this guy who is also fairly controversial, who created this YouTube channel called The Predator Poachers. And what they do is something very similar to what Chris Hansen did with um, to, ca uh, to Catch a Pee. You guys know who Chris Hansen is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Also, guys, by the way, I would just like to point this out that we're using you know, safe language here, not like as a way of downplaying anything or anything, but just because YouTube literally automatically recognizes that language and will like throttle the video or demonetize it or age restrict it or something like that. Guys, there's a pretty good chance that since this is a very controversial topic that this video is gonna get demonetized. So if you can do us a favor, we don't do this for the money, most definitely not. But when YouTube demonetizes your video, it stops recommending the content to you guys because, well, YouTube can't make money off of the content. The way you could combat that is take a moment and slap a like on the like button for the YouTube algorithm so we could continue covering weird controversies like this. We don't wanna have a filter on us and by liking this, you definitely help us with that. This guy, Alex Rosen, pretty much has this elaborate plan to catch EDP. And what he does is he creates this fake online persona. He hired, he has a girl do it for him and acts like he's this 13 year old kid while well, she does. When in reality, it's a woman that is like of age and whatnot. And they have this whole like two month exchange where this guy is trying to um, well, where this girl is trying to pretty much get EDP to trust her. And it starts off very like normal, I guess, you know, just a fan saying, hey, I'm a fan of your work. And he eventually snowballs into like him saying some very explicit stuff about things he would do in the context of the bedroom, you know, with a little kid. It's clear that this woman is, well, this woman is in fact a girl that's 13 years old. EDP's aware of it. She is aware of it. And it just keeps going and going. It's really weird because the transcripts actually show EDP like sending pictures of his fecal matter, sending pictures of guns, saying like graphic things he'd do to her, all of that stuff. It gets to a point where two months later, they agree to meet up. And when they do meet up, like bam, it's Alex Rosen, the predator poachers. Um, he goes by Chet Goldstein on, um, on YouTube brings a camera and says, yo, what you doing over here? So that's the whole situation. And uh, Coop, what do you think about this? I think 
EDP is a terrible person. I mean, if you like look at like the chat logs and like just some of the stuff that he was sending to to this girl, it's like, how does somebody even get to this point? Not to defend him at all whatsoever, but how does somebody get to this point? I could see, you know, like if you look at the guy, you know, he is an incel. Like the way he interacts with people, like one of the earliest messages is they were talking and it was like, hey, hey, what's up? What you up to? Boom. Picture of his poop, literally. And he said, I just took I just took a poop, you know? Wait, you that's know? how it started? Yeah. That's how it yeah. started. That's straight up how yeah, it started. But, I mean, there, I mean, there's a huge difference between socially and sound and knowing what's well, horribly yeah. disgusting and wrong. Well, I've been looking at, you know, some of the text and like this whole story because i didn't really know much about it as we were just going and you know i i don't give that as any excuse i mean there's i'm not, I'm not giving an excuse i feel like i personally it's a guy who like he isn't like getting any and is just that's like this is his resort like in a disgusting so, manner to add on to that um the like, guy is like is that what it is well if you look at the guy, the guy is like truly a hideous human being, like with respect to him. Um, yeah, we can, which we can. You don't have to give him respect say. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't say respect to him. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I didn't My mean bad. that. I'm just saying like the whole like, oh, don't attack people's appearances. But if there's one person we're going to attack the appearance of, it's him. So chances are. And also his mother died recently. So I guess he's very down. He's really down bad. So chances are we're talking about a guy that has never had an interaction with uh, women before. And when they interviewed him and said, how do you get, how do you resort yourself to this? Like, why are you attracted to little kids? He said, I'm just lonely. And, you know, to be honest, a part of me thinks that he doesn't specifically like, uh, well, I'm going to phrase this properly. I don't think he goes out of his way to target little kids. I feel like his fan base is little kids. Those are the only people that have ever approved of him. And the only way that this man could even get the slightest bit of approval is from a little kid, which is disgusting and horrible. But that's how I'm saying like how he could be in this situation. That's me trying to rationalize what goes on in the head of a messed up person. But honestly, the, what's happening to him is as of now, they're getting in touch with the cops. There's a chance that he's going to get arrested. And the story does take another like dark turn on top of this. So when you guys are ready, I'll tell you it. In my opinion, I think he's just I, I think he's just like messed up, man. Because I don't, I think if you have that type of clout that he has, this guy's like been on, I don't know if he's been on ESPN, but this guy's been on like TV, you know, he's this, he's had this major YouTube channel, he's been uber successful, you know, I know there had to be girls um, around his age in his DMs, like, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for, oh, well, uh, he was lonely, or this is all he could do, this is all the only people that approved of him. Nah, I think I think this is what he wanted. And I think in the video he admitted like this wasn't his first time. Yeah, there was is, five it, other times scary. Yeah. Yeah, wait, okay. Well, I didn't know that. And also, I would like to point out 
that like uh for the for a normal human being like if i was his age i have no idea how old this guy is but if i was his age with no pro dating prospects that wouldn't mean i would be like oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. lower myself into the little kid pool and i'll be successful here like i'd be like sucks i'll so just watch quick, some internet quick question there was no right way to handle it but the way he handled it was really weird to me because what did I, he say when he get caught when he got, he got caught, caught he basically like admitted to every i think he thought he might have been like able to squeeze his way weasel his way whatever out of the situation i'm not sure but the whole interaction it just it, like something was off yeah like they asked him do you deserve to go to jail and he said yeah i definitely deserve to go to jail and right. like oh that's weird yeah it was like um that's... i know like criminals sometimes they go for uh they like do things that are like cries for help kind of so these guys just basically run like a sting operation on guys like this and then just pull yes. them in yeah yes. i've actually like, that's seen so, that's that's so cool um, I've yes. seen multiple YouTube channels like this, and I, I think I remember them saying that they're on like their second or third channel or something because their channel like continually gets taken down because YouTube doesn't actually like content like this. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a touchy subject, but the thing is like, it's a touchy subject, but what they're doing is incredible. So like, you would think that this would be, you know, they'd be getting supported by... I mean, like, I yeah, it's not for kids, but like, again, like, no one's hating on Chris Hansen for getting these guys off the streets too. So here's where it gets crazy. Um, eventually, a day later, there's footage of the predator poachers, while the main guy, Alex Rosen, who on YouTube goes by Chet Goldstein, and it's a bunch of videos of this man with just, just very like bad videos of him he claims that he's trolling and this is his sense of humor but it's videos of him using like the hard er in like a live stream you know like and saying it in a very derogatory way um i could leave the clip Wait, i'm confused who at this point is this this is the guy who caught edp oh so now they're both bad yeah, so like pretty much like this right. guy um, is like saying the hard ER. He's like saying very homophobic things to his friends. He has a video of him prank calling the BLM hotline and all uh, types of stuff like what? this comes out. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. What the? F yeah. So that's like that's like the kind of joke that's like who he, how who finds that funny? Yeah. Like what do you get out of that type? Like, so that's I just literally racist. Like that's like there's no dark humor about that's just racist so i actually had a conversation with him um yesterday you talked to him i talked to him um which was crazy to me and i asked for his permission to record the call so i couldn't record the call but we have an interview that i'm going to schedule with him and if you guys want we could bring him for like 10 minutes onto the podcast if you want um we'll let you guys decide in the comment section but anyways as i was talking to him i was asking him like yo what's up you know what's with these jokes and the way he tried to defend himself is 
I have never taken words to heart. You know, I grew up in a like situation where the black uh, where black people in my life made fun of me for being Jewish and said like you know anti anti-Semitic things as a joke. I said like you know the hard ER back to him. I made fun of Hispanics for like their type of ignorant jokes as well. And that's kind of like the community and culture I was brought up in. And if I thought that there was something wrong about it, then I wouldn't post it onto the internet. But this is just my sense of humor. This is who I am. This is how I, I've been raised and this is what my community does. And this guy's on the internet, right? Like he's a social media presence. Yeah. Um, okay, so he blew up in the past. He gained like 112,000 subscribers from nothing and like, 10 days at the end of the day you don't get to decide what words carry weight with other people like if you say something and it's offensive to other races cultures whatever you don't get to decide that like this doesn't matter because i don't think words carry weight like that's just a bunch of bs to me yeah same i am very much in the boat of like look like times are changing times now are way different you see what's going on in the world right now you know, people are angry, you know, people are really, really angry. And to come out with like jokes like this, it's kind of, it's completely tone deaf at this point, like really tone deaf when you hear about what's going on in the news. It's a very strange scenario and it kind of brings into question what his motives were. Do you think he went after EDP in specific, in particular, due to the color of EDP skin? Or do you think like he had a noble cause here? Because he did catch five other people. There is good that he's doing in the world. He just has a horrible sense of humor and, you know, a very bad sense of humor. Regardless of anything, he caught someone that yeah. was guilty. Yeah. So that's so, yeah. a good thing. Yeah, uh, somebody that's done it multiple times. And uh, I don't, not really worth noting, but I'm going to note it. He did also say he was a fan of EDP and he used to be a fan of EDP. Regardless of anything, he's getting predators caught in the act so right so he just he just dm'd me um asking if i wanted to do an interview with him today so that should be interesting <laughs> so closing thoughts on this edp situation lock him up lock him up lock Pack him up. up i think at the end he's gonna get locked up but i hope if he does get locked up like he gets like psychiatric evaluation done as well like psychiatric help as well um, I don't know, uh, a part of me like is glad that he's going away if he does go away. Another part of me just wonders like, how does a person get to that situation and how do we prevent it from happening in the future? Dark, darkish and to the pot, but uh, important words were said. So guys, we're going to be adding a new segment to the Laced Up podcast. It's a segment where you guys tell us about things going on in your life or problems or, you know, just something that you really wanted to talk about and we will discuss it here on the pod. We also are, of course, answering any of your NBA questions, anything else you wanna know, like Coop said, anything you wanna know, we will answer. The email to send us, if you either wanna just email us just normal questions, or if you wanna send us video clips that we will include in this podcast, is onlylacedupfans at gmail.com. So laced, Only so- laced up fans. <laughs> at gmail.com only laced up wait is this no the way you email? named well yeah this is the first it's we're hearing about email. this this, this is what you named it yeah like what <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's what we're naming guys, it <laughs> is, is that your first time saying that? <laughs> guys submit your clips